listeners, welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am your host for today's episode. Today, I sit down with Steve Kim and one of our adjunct speakers, Dr. Raphael Samuel. You're going to be listening to part one of part two of our new podcast called The Miracle of Birth, followed by next week's episode, The Miracle of Christ. But on this week's episode, Dr. Raphael Samuel is actually going to talk to us about some of the miraculous things that are happening right at the time of birth. And then this will eventually lead into talking about how this physical miracle coincides directly with the spiritual miracle of Christ coming into the world, the risks he took for our salvation. Just a brief reminder, as we're coming to the end of the year, that means our giving campaign, the Reach Canada campaign, is just about over. You still have time to donate. We're so close to meeting our $200,000 goal, so we want to first say thank you to all those who have given, to those who have been praying for us, but we also want to extend an invitation to those who may have thought that it was over. You still have time. Thank you so much for all of you who have been supporting Apologetics Canada throughout the years or throughout the year. It all matters. So on behalf of the AC team, thank you so much for engaging with the podcast, coming to different events, and interacting with us wherever we have met you. That's all for me. Let's get into the podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am here today with Steve Kim. And hello, one of one of the voices you have not heard a lot of times on this podcast. But if you are from Ontario, if you are at the Ontario conference, you will know about one of our board members, one of our adjunct speakers, Doctor Raphael. Samuel, welcome to the show, sir. Good to see you guys. Listeners, you, you wouldn't believe the, the fun we have been having <laughs> for the last while just trying to get <laughs> Raphael on this call. It has been, we've tried Zoom. We were about to send a carrier pigeon. Like we were going to write notes, put it in the <laughs> mail, and just do the podcast that way. <laughs> but it we're is here. the work of the devil, I tell you. <laughs> well, this is the season to be jolly. So let's, yeah. let's be jolly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Raphael is a Christian speaker, apologist, and anesthesiologist born in Durban, South Africa. He obtained his medical degree and a master's degree in medicine there. He further obtained fellowships in anesthesiology from the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa and the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. He is currently completing his master's degree in Christian apologetics at Talbot School of Theology. Biola University, Southern California. There's a lot that I could continue sharing there. Uh, but w- I think that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> so for our listeners, I'm just curious, what does an anesthesiologist do? Well, it's quite similar to apologetics, actually. Uh, we're in the business of waking people up. Ah, well played. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, after the, the rigors and the trauma of surgery, you see the surgeon is essentially trying to kill the patient. And we, on the other side of the table, <laughs> we're trying to keep the patient alive. <laughs> and to try and wake the patient up and just to restore the patient to normal physiology after the rigors and the trauma of surgery. Interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought that your you know your main job was actually just putting people to sleep <laughs> uh Raphael, thank you so much for joining us today we um as we're we're coming into the Christmas season listeners we're gonna be doing a two part podcast here as we talk about 
the miracle of birth in relation to the miracle of Christ's birth. Because, you know, I got I got tipped off by Andy, Raphael. That, how, how, th- that's the reason this kind of came about. He said, you need to talk to him about all the stuff that is happening when a child is being born. And I said, huh, what do you mean? He's like, just talk to him. It's crazy. So you have a very <laughs> high bar to set. So if well, you got to make some things up, we're, no one's going to know. <laughs> well, it's a bit of an odd topic. Uh, you know, I must say, I've, I've been attendant at countless births. I've, I've lost track over the 25 years I've been in anesthesia. But the majority of them have been cesarean section births. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have a disclaimer and I think it it applies to the three of us wise men here, <laughs> is that you know none of us have actually experienced birth. No, so we're not. It is a it is a big disclaimer, and it just reminds me of you know the story of uh, a Christmas card I once came across, uh, and it had a picture of these two elderly women sitting on a park bench, and they were deep in conversation, and one says to the other. You know, I really struggle with this whole Christmas story. I can believe in singing angels appearing to shepherds out in a field. I can even believe in a virgin giving birth. But where I draw the line is this myth about the existence of three wise men. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. So I think we've got to really try and prove her wrong. You know, I, I, I'm starting to wonder, well, this probably explains why they stopped using the term wise men and we're like, no, no, no. They were called magi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to put them in their proper place. Okay. Yeah. So it's, how do we, how do we start this? Right. I mean, we're not going to give you the guys, the birds and the bees. Well, when a man loves a woman, we're not going to do that. But Birth in and of itself is is a miracle. Like I said, and like Raphael was saying, we obviously have not gone through this process ourselves. But as fathers, you know, as seeing our, our children come into the world, it is a miracle mm-hmm. in and of itself. But what is actually going on? Well, you know, let me take you just a little step back. Uh As physicians, we are always trained whenever we encounter a pregnant patient, we are dealing with two patients. So in a sense, we really have to separate the two out. And pregnancy entails some remarkable changes in the female body, in the pregnant patient itself. And it's actually quite breathtaking what actually happens. Over that nine months of pregnancy, everything that changes in the pregnant patient's body is entailed to increase, to increase uh, delivery and uptake of oxygen to the fetus. Uh, So what that actually entails is there is an increase in the hemoglobin in the pregnant patient's body. It's about a 30% increase, which is actually quite remarkable. Um, there's an increase in the cardiac output. So what exactly is cardiac output? Cardiac output is the amount of blood that your blood, your heart is pumping and circulating around the body in a minute. So 
if you take a, a normal female patient sitting on a beach, sipping on a pina colada, that's about five liters per minute if she's at rest. There's a almost a 50% increase in cardiac output uh, wow. over that nine months in that pregnant patient. So that increases to about 7.5 liters per minute. And actually wow. in labor, that can increase to 45 to 100%. So that's about 10 to 12.5 liters per minute circulating around that patient's body every minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an increase in coagulability. That means the blood clots more. That's mm-hmm. all in anticipation for the upcoming birth because a pregnant patient is anticipated to lose at least about 500 mils of, of, of blood, say, for example, if, if she has a cesarean section. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an increase in the uptake of oxygen. Uh, her respiratory rate and minute ventilation actually increases. But I mean, this is so fine-tuned, even down to a microscopic level. You know, we talk about the hemoglobin and the, um, the shape of the hemoglobin. So the mother's hemoglobin becomes shaped to deliver oxygen, to release oxygen. Conversely, the, the fetal hemoglobin is shaped to receive oxygen. So we call that the double bore effect. That's the medical term, but it's absolutely amazing. And Mm. what I find amazing is that all of this can be explained mathematically. Really? So we have equations for all of this. We can calculate cardiac output. We can calculate content of oxygen in the blood. We can uh, calculate delivery of oxygen. We have equations for all of that, the flow of blood. Um, So that's all pretty remarkable uh, that we have this equation. And it reminds me of a statement by Eugene Wigner, who was the Nobel Prize winner in mathematics. And he speaks about the unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics. Mm. And has actually led to an argument for the existence of God Uh, because it's amazing that these abstract equations uh, formulated in the mind of mathematicians can actually apply to the human body, to the world, to physical motion out there, and to the universe as a whole. So that's just the changes in, in the pregnant patient. But, you know, for me, one of the most breathtaking events and it just the engineering of this is actually quite uh, remarkable is the changes that occur in the fetal circulation at birth. Mm. So let me take a step back and say in the human body, in the normal out of the womb human being, the heart is consisting of two parts. There's the left side of the heart and the right side of the heart. Mm -hmm. So they are not connected at all. They function separately and they receive blood separately. So the right side of the heart receives the blood that is low in oxygen and high in carbon dioxide. So its job is to pump the blood to the lungs. And that's where the blood gets reoxygenated 
and the carbon dioxide is released. And then from the lungs, the blood passes to the left side of the heart. So if you can imagine your two, two arms, your two hands, and then your chest. So your chest is your lungs and you have your left and your right heart. So they're not con uh, connected and they have the lungs in between them. Now, this is a problem for the fetus because the lungs are not functioning. Right, right. The lungs are not developed and the lungs are not, uh, even if they are developed, there's no air to breathe. So somehow the blood has to get from the right heart to the left heart, bypassing the lungs. So the fetus has been designed with such wonder. You know, the Bible speaks that about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the mm -hmm. secret place. Um, so the blood has to, number one, get oxygen and then bypass the lungs. And then the real miracle of birth is that all of this has to change to a normal circulation at birth within the first few seconds. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'm going to just try and walk you through that. Take, take me down this road. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's a real amazing organ uh, of pregnancy, and it's called the placenta. And this is really where the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide occurs. Now, the unique thing about the placenta is that the maternal blood and the fetal blood do not come in contact at all with each other. So they are maintained completely separate. There's no mixing of blood. So it's not actually, a fetus is actually a separate individual human being, completely separate from the mother, and they meet at the placenta. Yeah. So the umbilical cord connects the placenta to the fetus. Mm -hmm. And the umbilical cord consists of an umbilical vein and two umbilical arteries. So gas exchange occurs at the placenta. So oxygenated blood is carried via the umbilical vein, but now it needs to get to the heart, right, in order to be pumped. So there's a special shunt, or we call it a shunt in medical terms, but you can think of it as a bypass, a bypass pipe or uh, um, a detour. Okay. So the blood from the umbilical vein gets detoured via the shunt called the ductus venosus straight into the right side of the heart. And there's a valve there, which, we, which is called the eustachian valve, that directs the shunted blood through a hole in the heart, from the right side of the heart to the left side of the heart, through a hole in the heart called the foramen ovale. And that's how this oxygenated blood actually bypasses the lungs and moves from the right side of the heart to the left side of the heart. From the left side of the heart, it is pumped to the rest of the body. Mm. But there's a, another problem, another engineering problem. 
So, <laughs> yeah, it's just remarkable these uh, how God has designed the body to bypass these engineering problems. Yeah. And the blood returning from the rest of the body has to be bypassed from the right side of the heart to the rest of the body. And there's another shunt there called the ductus arteriosus. Now you have these shunts and like dominoes falling in effect, all these shunts begin to close immediately at birth. So that wow. itself is quite a remarkable yeah. phenomenon. Mm -hmm. What happens is the, uh, the lengthening of the umbilical cord at birth and the clamping of the cord causes the ductus venosus to close because the, there's no flow in the umbilical uh, vein. So there's no flow in the ductus venosus. So that closes. On the other hand, simultaneously, the first few breaths is so important. Immediately as the newborn breathes, takes a breath, begins to cry, the lungs begin to expand. So this drops the resistance in the vessels in the lungs. So if you know a little bit about physics, when there's high resistance, there's low flow. When there's low resistance, there's high flow. And that applies to electricity as well. So all of a sudden, the resistance in the lungs, uh, blood vessels drop, blood rushes into the lungs, um, that blood gets oxygenated and blood returns to the left side of the heart and the pressure in the left side of the heart increases and that causes the a flap to close the hole in the heart or the foramen ovale. So that's happening sort of instantaneously and wow. uh, that eventually closes uh, permanently and the high oxygen tension also then will clo close the ductus arteriosus. So those mm -hmm. are pretty spectacular changes. It requires a really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really fascinating hearing all these things that are happening underneath what we can see on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, as you're describing this process, I'm reminded of my son when he was born. We had water birth for him, right? And so one of the things, without giving everyone too much detail, just for the sake of, you know, my wife's privacy. Um, so when there is a water birth, one of the things that the midwives and, you know, the doctors and nurses will tell you is once the baby comes up out of the water, do not put the child back in the water because, um, you know, the, the baby is in the amniotic fluid. Yeah. But, and then it comes out into the water. But as soon as it comes up into the air, the lungs are kicking in. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, when you put the baby back into the water, the baby will drown. And so, so I remember hearing that. And we were, of course, being very careful to make sure that once my son came up out of the water, he stayed out of the water, right? But that was just the kind of the external, here's what to do. But underneath all of that is this really meticulous 
intricate processes that you just described for us, right? And it's just mind-blowing what's going on. Things that we cannot see immediately that are happening in the human body. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. Not just the the music that we want to hear at birth is the baby crying. Mm -hmm. That is the the biggest relief that we all get collectively as both the obstetrician doing the cesarean section and the anesthesiologist, the pediatrician standing in the room. We want to hear that baby cry because we know what's happening. That domino effect is taking place because there is situations where that doesn't occur. And, you know, in certain rare situations, the system gets broken and Mm -hmm. there's disease. And but that's that's another topic that yeah yeah you know on that note that's why whenever I hear the song Silent Night I'm thinking yeah right there's no way it was that silent it was probably a really not yeah yeah no no wow and I gotta say you did a great job of walking me through something that I clearly was not given as in-depth in health class. So welcome to AC's health class, everyone. Um, turn in your <laughs> papers schooled. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. you're getting school. It's a bit more fine-tuned than that, but... I, I imagine so. <laughs> an amazing process. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It, it just the, the idea that this being, though connected to the mother... There was something you were saying about how their blood never mixed. I never, I never realized that. I thought in some capacity that they shared, but to find out that while you are housing this child, it it really does remind me that much more of like, man, Mary truly was a vessel for the birth of Christ, right down to the science of it. Absolutely, and you know, at Christmas, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate this remarkable occurrence of God becoming human mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know we've been watching binge watching some Netflix films some Christmas films I'm, I'm sure you guys may wait. have been doing. wait 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 I gotta know what's your favorite oh man there has been no favorites none so disappointed <laughs> at Netflix you know this, this <laughs> movie uh, Candy Cane Christmas uh, I'm not sure whether you heard Candy about Cane it. Lane. Candy Cane Lane. Yeah, it's with uh, Eddie Murphy and. Oh yeah, that one. I haven't yeah. seen that one. Then we watched this other one about this Hindu guy meeting a, um, I think a Danish or a Scandinavian lady, and they go to Scandinavia. And partake. He has to partake in all these Christmas traditions. <laughs> But, you know, sitting back and thinking just how ridiculous some of these Christmas traditions have become. (laughs) The movie spoke about how this family goes to church, but they're not Christian. But they'll just go to church on a Sunday Mm -hmm. uh, of Christmas, just that one Sunday, because it is tradition. Yep. And it just made me think that, you know, sometimes all this glitter and this plastic panache of this commercial Christmas seems to fill us all with a bit of artificial hope. Mm. But, you know, there is a deeper hope. Yeah. There is a true meaning of Christmas. And I, I really think 
I don't mean to me to be a Grinch, but I think the Grinch really got it right. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes of uh, Dr. Seuss, you know, he says he speaks about how the Grinch would his Grinch feet in the snow, how he puzzled and puzzled until his puzzler was actually sore. Yeah. And the Grinch thought of something that he hadn't thought of before. What if Christmas actually doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas actually means mm-hmm. a little bit more? That's it. Yeah. You know, and I wish that people would actually stop and puzzle for a minute and think that, you know, this, all this excitement and all this fun, what happens if Christmas actually means a little bit more? Mm-hmm. And that's what it does. It does I- mean so much more. Yeah. I have a podcast idea. Raphael reads Dr. Seuss. Come on now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. don't need that quote. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think that's that's quite amazing. Um, growing up, especially Roman Catholic, um, you know this all too well, too, Raphael, because you and I share that history in that regard. I've seen so many Catholics, and I'm not just speaking on Catholics, and not all Catholics are like this. My grandmother was a very devout lady. But I've often seen people just come for those two big celebrations in the church, right? Easter and Christmas. And it was almost like, uh, just kind of my jaded view of it was, okay, here are so-called Christians that are coming to church just because— it's around just before Easter and just before Christmas, you have this mandatory confessionals that you have to go to and you kind of want to have your slate cleaned kind of a thing. And I think that really misses the point both for Easter and Christmas, but what is it actually that we are celebrating on Christmas, right? God become man and dwelling among us. And if you actually sit down and think about that, that's quite amazing and just the process that it takes for you know god to go through such a physical process as you were describing earlier yeah you know i think we can learn a lot from the physical process of pregnancy and the birth you know when it comes to the theology of christmas Hey, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You have been listening to part one of our Christmas-related podcast called The Miracle of Birth. So that means you can tune in next week for part two called The Miracle of Christ as Dr. Raphael Samuel starts to unpack the theological aspect of the birth of Christ. At the timing of this recording, we are just a few days away from Christmas. So from all of us at Apologetics Canada, Merry Christmas to you and all of your loved ones. Tune in next week as we release our final podcast of the year, The Miracle of Christ. Make sure to like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms, as well as on YouTube. And tune in next week when we find more things to think about. But as always, even going into 2024, love God, love people. Bye for now. It's the AD Podcast.